Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. I was hoping to get rid of this boot this week, and the doctor said, not so fast. And so uh, I will endure. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57 in the precious Word of God. And um, we're going to talk about something this morning that uh, not a lot of people talk about, and uh, that's revival. We're going to talk about revival this morning. In fact, uh, uh, let's do this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll talk about revival. Amen? amen. Say amen. amen. All right, I just want to make sure you're out there. <laughs> it's good to be in God's house. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in your house. God, we thank you for the songs that remind us just how much we need you. God, that we can call upon you. Lord, you will hear us and answer. Lord, I pray that today that your word and your spirit would fill this place. God, I pray as I often pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Because, Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I pray that you will have your will and your way in the next few moments of time. Certainly there are people in our midst, God, who we pray for, people who are hurting, people who right now, they may be here this morning, they may be watching this morning, but they've got something that is heavy on their heart. Lord, I pray that you would meet their very need. Lord, we pray for those who are recovering from surgeries, those who are recovering from illnesses, and Lord, just those who are getting away this week, one last opportunity before the Labor Day weekend, so to speak, that they might get away and have a time of rest and relaxation with their family. And Lord, I pray that you would bring them all back quickly to your house. Lord, I pray now that you'll meet with us in a very special way. And God, that you'll do what only you can do. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you do. And we give you that praise in the name of of your son, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And we ask it, amen and amen. Well, I said we're going to talk about revival this morning. And um, when we stop to really consider what revival is all about, you may, you may think, Kyle, it's good to see you, brother. Uh, have you gotten any sleep? A little bit. All right, it's good to see you, praying for you, Lisa and the baby. And uh, they just had a new baby. Would you congratulate him on that? And I see he's all alone, but anyway, it is good to see you. And um, when we stop to think about what revival is all about, you may in your mind's eye think about, uh, you might say the word revival and you think, man, that's old school. That's, that's back in when they used to set up tents. Anybody ever heard of an old-fashioned tent revival? Let me ask another question. Anybody ever been to an old-fashioned tent revival? Go ahead and hold up your hands. I'm going to see how old you are. Yeah, I see some old people. <laughs> I see some old people raising their hands. You might think of old tent revival, and uh, 
Anybody got a tent? Maybe we ought to go outside. You like the air conditioning better. Okay. All right, we'll stay inside. Maybe you think about uh, Billy Graham. Maybe you think about other speakers, evangelists, and pastors of yesteryear, times when revival broke out. You think about a divine work of God to renew or to reinvigorate people. That's what comes to mind a lot of times when we think about revival. But many times we end up, when we ask about revival, what we do is we end up describing revival rather than defining revival. You see what I'm saying? We, we talk about revival. We say, oh yeah, I remember they used to set up tents in the fairgrounds. They used to have gospel singing and gospel preaching Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and that was revival. No, that was just a description of somebody setting up a tent meeting. That wasn't revival. Well, we're getting ready to have missions revival. Yes, yes, we'll call it missions revival, but I figured we ought to talk about revival before we put up a sign that says we're getting ready to have missions revival because that's not what revival is all about. And so many times we end up describing it. I, I think about it this way. We, we describe and sometimes we'll talk about the attributes of God, which is a wonderful thing to consider, but the attributes of God are not God himself. You could talk about God being just and holy and loving and compassionate and on and on and he is righteous and 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 we could just continue to talk about those attributes but those are just descriptions of God those are not God himself I hope that makes sense and so for example I was put down in my notes the idea of recognizing the doctrine of the Trinity Father Son Holy Spirit uh, that's that's truth and it helps us to understand God but that does not literally tell us or define God himself. It's just a description. Truly, our God is indescribable. You can't even begin to imagine all that is encompassed when we think about God. In fact, for you and I to try to define God, it would literally be impossible. Yet, the best we can do is describe him. It was the late theologian J.I. Packer. Here's what he said about revival. He said, revival is the visitation of God which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness. Thence springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart in repentance and praise and love with an evangelistic outflow. Pretty good. Pretty good description of, of what revival is all about. Andrew Murray, he goes on. Here's what Andrew Murray, the South African author, teacher, and pastor, he suggests that revival is a true revival, is what he says, means nothing less than a revolution. Think about it. He says a true revival is nothing less than a revolution casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God and his love triumph in the heart and life. Again, a great description of revival, but I'm praying that today God will allow us to go beyond mere descriptions of revival and actually see and define what revival is all about. Now, we know that revival, in order to revive something, the indication is that it must have had life at one point. To revive something, it means that it had life at some point. Revival does not usually take place until in our lives. I mean, you think about reviving uh, 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 an animal or something or a person, if you're a, a rescue worker and, and you've been on the scene like some of our firefighters and first responders and you have seen uh, people who were near death experiences and being revived back to life and you see that process working out. But spiritually speaking, revival does not usually take place until we had a deep satisfaction 
a deep dissatisfaction with the way we are now. It's probably going to be quiet this morning. I'm hoping I'll get a few little amens from Amen Corner, but it's not about even the amen. The idea is that until we have a deep dissatisfaction of where we are spiritually, individually, not pointing the fingers at one another, but until we get a deep dissatisfaction of where we are, the, the chances are and the reality is that revival will probably not come. So I'm going to offer one verse as we get started this morning. Look at Isaiah 57, and you already noticed the verse on the screen. And I want you to see what Scripture reminds us in verse number 15. Here's what the Bible says. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is what? Holy. He said, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is also of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In other words, talking about people who are broken, people who are in desperate need of God. That's what revival is all about. So our goal this morning, as the title mentions, is revival. What's it all about? We want to answer the question what it's all about. So here you are. We're going to get right into it. Number one, if I believe that we can see from this one verse that revival is all about reaching high. It's all about reaching high because notice it says... Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Notice what he says. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. This is where God dwells. So if you're going to have revival, then the sense is that we're going to have to do some reaching. Because guess what? Our thoughts and our ways don't even compare to God's thoughts and his ways. Revival is reaching high. But as I just said, we typically don't reach high until we are thoroughly dissatisfied with ourselves. And convinced that we need to be revived. The idea is that we convince ourselves that we are, 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 are literally like on spiritual life support. And we need to be resuscitated. We need to be renewed. We need to be reinvigorated in some way. And so when we get to that point, the reality is, here's the deal. When I fell down and I was playing tennis, the guys who were playing with me, they will understand this. And they will remember that when I went down, it sounded like a big fat rubber band snapping in my calf. And I went down and slid across the tennis court and then I laid there and here's, I don't want to reenact the scene for you, but maybe you can figure it out, close your eyes, see Pastor Greg laying on the tennis court screaming like a big baby. And then I said, help! You see what was going on? You know what happens? When we fall down, as children, we fell down, we bruise our, our, our scuff our knee, and we're hollering out, Daddy, Mommy, somebody help, because you know your brother and sister ain't going to help you. <laughs> they're running to get, they're getting lost because they know that they're about to get in trouble because they were probably the cause of you falling down. But the reality is when I was on the tennis court, I remember doing this. I was thinking about this this week. I remember doing this. I had my head and I had uh, my left leg covering my calf because I didn't want anybody to see it. I don't even know why the mind does that. It's natural, I guess, to cover it up. But I remember doing this. I remember reaching out and there was Stacy and there was Shane and there was Greg Witt. And I was like, guys, 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 guys. I don't know where they thought I was reaching to, but I remember this left arm being extended, reaching high because I knew I needed help. Spiritually, the same thing is true. Until we have a deep dissatisfaction, until we understand that we are like 
that proverbial person who has been injured laying down on the courts of life, so to speak, until we get to that point where we recognize that we are the ones that need help. The idea of reaching high is not going to be first and foremost in our life. It's like that old song. You remember that song, Higher Ground? The old song, Higher Ground, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That's the idea of revival, asking God to do what only he can do. You know, I, I said it a minute ago. Listen, Isaiah 55 said that God's thoughts and his ways are much higher than our thoughts and our ways. Oh, how we need to be on higher ground today, amen? We look around and see what's going on. I cannot imagine anybody taking a spiritual inventory individually or within the local New Testament church or nationally in this country and not recognizing that we need revival. For the most part, our nation, the most part, our homes, the most part, our hearts. If we're really honest this morning, just not with me, but honest with God, if we're really honest, our nation, our homes, our hearts. The reality is they're in shambles. I look around and I see people hurting. And I wonder what can I do other than pray for them and encourage them. Listen, what we need is a good old-fashioned revival. Let me ask a question. Is anybody dissatisfied with the, things, the way things are going these days? I mean, I know we get really quiet. We don't like to talk about it. But are we dissatisfied with the way things are going? This past week, well, it was last week actually, you may have seen in the news in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there was over nine inches of rain that fell in a 24-hour period or or thereabouts a 24-hour period. And the reality is that, uh, unfortunately, that that Dallas-Fort Worth area had already been suffering from a 10-plus inch uh, deficit of rain. And so they were already dealing with the significant uh, uh, lack of rainfall, and so there were intense drought conditions along with extreme heat that always comes uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, area during Texas. And as a result, I want you to watch this, as a result, the drought-stricken soil, when it began to rain, I read one report where the drought-stricken soil became more like concrete than it did soil. Now, it doesn't hurt that the Dallas-Fort Worth area is mostly concrete and asphalt, right? With cities built up, it's an urban area. But where there was soil, the ground was so hard that when the rain fell and was trying to nourish the ground, it had become so hard that the rain just ran off of it. You hear what I'm trying to say this morning? Spiritually speaking, we too must... We must be cautious about the soil of our hearts becoming so hard that when the seed of the Word of God falls upon it, it just rolls off. It just rolls off because we're not ready to receive it. The prophet Hosea says this in Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. There's a key of success. Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. But watch what he says. He says, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord, Northern Virginia. It's time to seek the Lord, Battlefield. Listen, we're not going to have any mission revival. We're not going to have any type of spiritual uh, uh, renewal in our lives and in this church and in this community unless we understand that it is time to seek the Lord. Notice the verse says, it says, For it is time to seek the Lord till he come 
and rain righteousness upon you. Now there's all types of wonderful thoughts concerning the ground, agriculturally speaking, and why they would allow ground to sit. You know, if you know anything about farming, sometimes you let the ground sit and become quote-unquote fallow ground. And then there's a season to plant and a season to pluck up, as the Ecclesiastes tells us. And so we could look at that, but the greater lesson, I think, for us is to be seen that if the ground is hardened... Agriculturally and spiritually speaking, the ground must be tilled up. My grandpa Corcoran was a, was a farmer. He had gardens that would blow your mind. I have a picture of me when I was about two years old, and I'm holding a strawberry. I have this picture. I'm in my grandpa and grandma Corcoran's house in southern Illinois, and I'm holding this strawberry as I'm eating a strawberry back when I was allowed to eat strawberries. Oh, that I could eat a strawberry again. The doctor doesn't want me to. The strawberry is as big as my face. It looks like a tomato. But the reality is my grandpa understood that before he could ever begin to farm, before he could ever get the gardens ready, he had to till up the soil of the ground. The idea of you and I reaching high the idea of you and I reaching higher implies that you and I are going to have a greater desire to know God more. And that desire will cause us to do the hard work of breaking up the fallow ground of our hearts. It will cause us to deal with the little things. By the way, anybody ever had something little that gets in the way of their relationship with the Lord? Anybody? Anybody ever had some big things that get in the way of their relationship with the Lord? The reality is when we get to the point where we desire to reach higher, when we are laying down in the courts of life, so to speak, and we understand that we're not going to be able to pull ourselves up, when we understand that the only way that we're going to get up, the only way that we're going to live, the only way that we're going to re realize the potential that God has put inside of us is to reach up and ask Him to do it, the reality is, guess what? We're going to have to deal with the little things and the big things, and sometimes dealing with those things or sins in our life can be uncomfortable. Have you ever gotten uncomfortable for Jesus? Sins of omission and commission against the great God that loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. I think it's a worthy, a worthy uh, uh, cause for us to reach high. So revival comes from a dissatisfaction with the so-called status quo and a desire for something better, for something more. Simply put, I put in my notes, revival is when God comes. And you may be saying, well, what's the big deal? God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. God's already come. He's already created the heavens and the earth. And, and on and on we could go. In fact, you say, Pastor, Psalm 139 tells us that there's nowhere that you and I can go that we can flee from his presence. He's everywhere. So what are you talking about revival is when God comes? Well, yes, God's with us. He's actively working among us. I was in the college and career class this morning, and that was evident that God is always active and working, as, as Brother Jason was sharing there with the young people there in that class. But sometimes God's working is not always through blessings. Sometimes God's working involves discipline. Sometimes God's work involves, this is a painful process, uh, like I see the fake flowers down here. You ever seen people go about pruning their flowers? Pruning ro rose bush bushes and things like that? 
See, there's a process of not only discipline, but there's also a process sometimes, and God's working in this process of, of pruning and disciplining our lives. It's not always, you know, blessings. It's not always getting what we want when we want and how we want it. You see, revival is reaching high for nothing except for God because we know that nothing except God will do. That's what revival is all about. I think about that old song years ago. It's kind of funny to say that old song because this song was only written, I think, maybe in the 80s or 90s. And so now we say that old song. It's like it wasn't really that long ago, and yet it seems like a long time ago. I think about that song by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, In Christ Alone. And in the chorus of that song, here's what they say, In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross in every victory. Let it be said of me that my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. That's when we start to see revival. It was John Henry Jowett, he was an influential British uh, preacher of yesteryear at the turn of the 19th century. In fact, he was once called by some as the greatest, the greatest preacher in the English-speaking world. At the end of the century, he attended the coronation of King Edward VII, and it was said that as Joet was sitting there as a Protestant preacher, he's sitting there watching the coronation, and they're there at Westminster Abbey, and, and he's describing, as he wrote, uh, what was taking place, and he records that as he observed the assembly gathering, the seating of the princes and the princesses and the dignitaries, the dukes and the duchesses and all the other of lesser nobility, that he really was uh, taken back by watching the whole scene. But then he writes these words, but then the king arrived. <laughs> he watched it all, but then he says these words, he says, but then the king arrived and all eyes turned away from those of lower rank and were fixed upon the king. Has the king arrived in your heart? You see, because if the king is rightly on his throne, then we do a disservice to our king to focus on anything other than him and him alone. Oh, listen, what is it that we're looking for? Because I put in my notes, nothing, absolutely nothing other than King Jesus will do. Listen, anything other than Jesus is a substitute, which means that anything other than Jesus is an idol. I know that hurts. I know that hurts because we're getting ready to go into sports season. And we won't say it out loud, but I wonder how many dollars we've spent on sports memorabilia. Hello, by the way, I'm talking to myself. I got a whole hat collection that my wife would like to throw away. In fact, it's not even a team that's in existence anymore. It's like I got, I got like 10 redskin hats, right? They don't even exist anymore. I got a Washington football team hat. And I got a, yeah, you're ready for it. I got a Washington commander hat that I don't even want to take out of the box because it's horrendous. They need to rethink their graphic design. But seriously, I wonder how excited we get about sports. By the way, it's easy to point and poke out at Pastor Greg. Look at all those redskin hats. He should have a Dallas hat. Am I any worse than 
Maybe you are? I mean, it has been about 40 years since Cowboys won any Super Bowl. And yet they continue to be known as America's team. What does that mean? Does that mean we're a bunch of losers? I don't know. I know I'm going to get all the hate mail from the Cowboy fans now. Listen, we threw you an homage. The sanctuary is gray and blue, so enjoy it. Seriously, though, guys, what's revival all about? It's about reaching high. It's about understanding that there's nowhere other to go, nowhere else that we can go when we are so dissatisfied with our spiritual journey. By the way, you're not going to experience revival if you're never dissatisfied. You think, well, I'll go to church every once in a while. I'll sing a few songs. Hey, don't ask me to serve the Lord anymore because guess what? COVID happened and we no longer serve Jesus. That's a message from the devil, by the way. I got news for you. COVID ain't stopping me from serving Jesus. Sorry, I'll get off of that. Revival is reaching high, but here's the second and my last point. Revival is also about getting low. If you're going to reach high, you got to get low. Remember I told you about me being on the court? I was about as low as I could go. There was nowhere else I could go through that, 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 that asphalt of that court. I was down where I could go no further. And so my natural response was, somebody help me. And so until we get to the point where we understand that we're about as low as we can go and we reach up and we say, God, I need your help. I need you to do something in my life. Then don't expect revival to come your way. Look back at verse number 15 in Isaiah 57. Again, verse 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him. Watch it. With him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the who? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones or the ones who are broken over their own sinfulness. In reality, we never reach high until we get low because unless we remove ourselves from the so-called throne of our own lives, we don't see the need. It was John the Baptist... Yes, John the Baptist, remember he proclaims Jesus uh, to be the, uh, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But a few chapters later, you see John the Baptist getting this understanding of not only reaching high, but getting low. Because in John 3, in verse number 30, John says, he must, speaking of Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. You see, we'll never get low until we understand that we need to get low. We need to decrease so that he can increase. Jesus told uh, Nicodemus that the Son of Man must be lifted high. Oh, yes, we must get low. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 9 and verse 35. He called on the twelve and he saith unto them, he says, if any man, he said, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last. In other words, the same shall be the lowest of all. It wasn't saying, you know, a lot of times we poke fun and, you know, we have men's barbecue. And I, I think we joked with some of the men uh, at the barbecue and, and uh, uh, they were like, oh, go ahead and eat, Pastor, go ahead and eat. And I said, no, I, I always go last. And, you know, they were like, they were like oh, last should be first, first should be, should be last. That's not what it's talking about. The idea of being last is not getting your barbecue last. It's becoming the lowest of all. 
so that you can become the servant of all. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 23. He goes on, here's another way he puts it. In verse number 12, he says, Whosoever shall exalt or elevate himself shall be abased. That word abased means to be brought low, to get low. He says, whoever exalts himself shall be abased. But there's the principle here. If I exalt myself, the realization is I'm going to be brought low. God has a way of bringing us down, doesn't he? Anybody ever been brought low before? You ever thought, man, look at me, look at me, I'm doing big things, I'm doing, look at all the stuff I'm doing, and then, boom, brought low. That's what happens. That's what happens many times. But read the verse on. It says, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself, he that go ahead, he or she, the one that goes ahead and gets low, watch what happens. It says, and he that shall humble himself or get low shall be elevated or lift up. They shall be exalted. Scripture goes on in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, verse number 6, God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to who? Those that get low. And in verse number 10, you say, are we talking about the same thing? Yes, we are, because you go on a few verses later in verse number 10 of chapter 4. Here's what Scripture says. It says, humble yourselves. By the way, same Greek word, get low, be brought low, be depressed. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Guess what? It's the same word. He's the one that's going to elevate you. So revival is about reaching high and getting low. I think most people... In fact, most believers, I would say, you say, hey, man, do you have a loved one that needs Jesus? Say, oh, yeah, pastor, will you pray for my loved ones? They need Jesus. I don't think I've ever met a believer that doesn't want to see people saved and added to the family of God. Do you? I think that there are people that want to see people saved and added to the family of God. In fact, we pray for it. We sometimes cry for our family and friends and coworkers and neighbors to be saved. We pray for it, we cry for it, we share our faith and the gospel for it. But again, that's only a byproduct of revival. You're not going to be concerned. In fact, I put in my notes, it's impossible to be really spiritually concerned about others if we're not really concerned about Christ in our own life. How, how am I going to be concerned about somebody else if I'm not growing in this relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Well, listen, maybe you're thinking, well, how can I go about getting low? Okay, I get it. Reach high and get low. That's what revival's about. I get it, Pastor. Well, what do I need to do to get low? I think, number one, in fact, Isaiah 57, 15 talks about this idea of contrite ones. I think one of the ways we get low is to become broken. To be broken. You say, what do you mean be broken? Be broken over our own sin. To be broken by sin. You know, there's some things that we could really learn to be dissatisfied with or learn to hate, and I think sin is one. If we had a greater distaste for sin, I think we would see things from a different perspective. In fact, Jesus said in John 12 and 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground, watch it, and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, watch what he says, but if it dies... It brings forth much fruit. Listen, if I want to get low so I can reach high, then I have to die to myself and I have to die to sin. There's no way that I'm going to reach high, get low, or do any of that junk until I have a brokenness over my own 
sin. You say, well, do you have any support text? Sure. I see the Apostle Paul did this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. You know, he says, I'm crucified. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. He says, I'm not physically dead, but I am crucified with Christ. And watch what he says. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, I'm not dead physically, but spiritually speaking, I've died to myself and the power of sin so that I can now walk in the power of Jesus Christ. Until we walk in the power of Jesus Christ, we're really not living. We're really not living. So if we're going to get low, we've got to be honest with how our self is doing. Have you ever asked self, how are you doing? Hello, self, how are you doing today? You ever ask those questions? Seems kind of strange. You say, do you talk to yourself a lot? Yeah. Yeah, I talk to myself and I ask myself this week, how are you doing, self? How's it going with you, self? You're going to get up and talk about reaching high. You're going to talk about getting low. How's it doing? How's it going for you? Because here's some things. When I think about good old self, here's what self does. Self wants what it wants, when it wants, and however it wants it. Self is critical of others when things don't go our way. Self is envious when other people get what we want. Self sometimes becomes, now I know nobody has this problem other than me, but sometimes self becomes irritable and sometimes self becomes irrational. Anybody? Self can actually become resentful. Have you ever become resentful over some situation? That's what self does. Self struggles with things like attitude. Nobody has attitude issues, do we? Anybody ever have, hold on, self not only struggles with attitude, self struggles with anger. I know we're the nicest people in the whole world. In fact, we have this testimony. Those people at Battlefield are so nice. They never get angry unless they're on I-66. Here's another one, self not only struggles with attitude and anger, self has a problem with anxiety. Self has a problem with fear and, and worrying about things that we cannot control ourselves. Self sometimes gets shy. Do you know that you might be an extrovert, but self in some situations gets really shy and self-conscious and reserved when we know that people need to hear that Jesus loves them. And so what does self do? Self says, not today. I'm a little shy today. Well, you're an extrovert the rest of the week. How did you become shy driving through that drive-thru? So how's self doing? I wonder. Let me read a passage to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You don't have to turn, but listen to what the Bible says. Talking about this idea of brokenness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7, here's what Scripture says. But we have this treasure we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Remember, we're just clay pots. He's the potter, we're the clay. He molds us and makes us after his will. And sometimes, have you ever seen a potter's wheel? Got the mold of clay. Have you ever seen when things go awry? You ever seen when the clay goes this way and the potter has to like, nah, come on back. Keeps working the clay. 
Let me read. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Watch it. Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The reality of this is, is that when our earthen vessels are broken or being molded by the potter, the light of the glory of God will shine forth. Not because I'm shining, but because he shines in and through my life. That's when you start to see that revival is taking place. That something good is happening. And you may be here and say, well, I don't need revival. Then just keep on shining your light. But I would dare say that I think we all need to be reminded of what we're talking about this morning. You see, when we try to do things in our own strength, we miss the mark. And yet Zechariah said in Zechariah 4, 6, he said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Jesus declared in that famous passage of Luke 9, 23, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But go on, he said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Oh, we've got to reach high, but we've got to get low. And I think the way we do that is becoming broken over our own sinfulness. It's a daily call to get low, a daily call to self-denial, to lose ourselves for God's honor and glory. It was a radio talk show host. I, I believe she's still on the radio, Nancy Lee DeMoss. Here's what she once said. She said, we'll never meet God in revival until we first meet him in brokenness. Pretty smart. We're never going to meet God in revival until we first meet him in brokenness. And you want to know why? You want to know why? Many people never meet God in brokenness. It's a condition that was not new to the, the scriptures. It's not new to those who were trying to follow God. But here's, here's why we never meet God many times in brokenness. It's called stiff-necked. It's called being stiff-necked. What, what, what goes on, and see, it's very quiet right now. What goes on is we do this. We go... I'm not going to move. You know, we get that stiff neck. God, I know that I'm needing to reach high, but I refuse to get low. God, I know, I know that you're trying to talk to me. I know that you're trying to lead me. I know that you want me to do more for you. I know that you're asking me to serve you in this regard. I know that I'm hearing your word, but God, I just have my, I have so much going on right now. So, God, not today. That's called stiff-necked. That's called a, a little bit of pride. But we know the results of pride. Pride comes before destruction. Oh, listen, are we broken by our sin? Are we broken over the things that don't please God? The good news is our Lord's plan does not involve us staying broken. Amen? It doesn't involve us staying broken. And so you say, well, how do I get low? Well, we got to be broken over our sin. But I think, secondly, we also have to understand that the only one who cleanses us from unrighteousness is God. So we've got to be cleansed. In fact, 1 John, in 1 John 1, 7, we always go to 1 John 1, 9. But in 1 John 1, 7, here's what Scripture says. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen, you may be sitting here today and you say, Pastor, I'm going to be real honest. I'm not going to raise my hand, but I'm going to be real honest. I struggle with sin. Congratulations, you're not alone. Everyone in this room struggles with sin. Everybody watching online struggles with sin. You say, well, I struggle with sin. What do I do about it? You got to get low. You got to give it up. You got to say, listen, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will be done. Oh, it's an ins, ins, I, instance that we've got to get low. And maybe you're sitting there and you say, well, I'm just too far gone. I'm just too far gone. Let me, let me just say this. There's people, there's spiritual people who think that. I believe that does great damage to the omnipotence of God. When we as men or women assert that we think we have gone too far. You have never gone too far. God is in control, not me, not you. He is in control and he can restore, he can revive, he can save that which he chooses to save, amen? And yet there are people who think otherwise. I would just say this, don't let the father of lies sell you a false lie. If we bring our sin to the light as he is in the light, that's what that verse said, as he is in the light. If we bring our sin to the light as Jesus is in the light, if we bring it to the foot of the cross, if we bring it to Jesus, not only is he going to forgive us and cleanse us, but he's going to deliver us from this power of sin and self. And so we've got to be broken. We've got to be cleansed. But I also believe getting low is this idea of being filled. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you, do I have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness this morning? Not self-righteousness, but the righteousness that only comes from God, I wonder. It was Andrew Murray who said, Just as water ever seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds us, you see that word there? Abased. Do you remember that verse from Matthew 23 and verse 12? It means brought low. It means get low. He says, he says, just as water ever seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds us brought low and empty, his glory and his power flow in. Oh, we've got to get low by being broken over our sin, being cleansed by the blood, and being filled with God's Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and verse 23, Jesus said, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. And my father, he says, and my father will love him and we, plural, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. Someone has said it this way as I begin to wrap up. Someone has said revival is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ poured in to the human heart. So what's revival all about? Simply put, it's about you and I reaching high for God and that can be only attained, that can only be attained when you and I get low. When we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says he will lift us up in due time. There's a story of a family who took a vacation out to a cabin in the mountains some years ago. And when they arrived, their young daughter, they took their young daughter to the room to where she was going to, where she was going to stay and where she was going to sleep. And um, as she got to the room, she got really excited, and, and you just bear with me. She got excited because in this old cabin, it was really decorated nice, all rustic and everything. But there was the typical picture of Jesus. Anybody have the picture of Jesus? The picture of Jesus was hanging over the bed. 
And so she got really excited. She said, look, look, there's a picture of Jesus. And over across from the bed was this huge dresser, and on the top of the dresser was a vanity mirror. And so as it happened, the little girl went to bed that night. She woke up the next morning, and as she opened up her eyes, laying there in bed, she shouted out, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, I see Jesus. Mom and Dad start their their trek, they, they start coming. Obviously, the little girl had seen the reflection of Jesus in that mirror that was across from the bed that she was sleeping on. And so she was so excited that she sprang up out of the bed. And when she sprang up, she no longer saw Jesus. So she laid back down. And she said, Mommy and Daddy, I see Jesus. So her mom and dad come in the room and they said, well, what are you fussing about? She says, when I lay down, I can see Jesus. But when I shoot up and I sit up, I no longer see him. You say, what's the deal? That's what revival is all about. You see, when we shoot up, we tend to see ourselves, not Jesus. But when we get low, we realize that he's been there all the time. He's been there all the time watching. He's been there all the time waiting for you and I to get low. To get so low that we get to the point where we understand the only option is to reach high. Is to say, Lord, I need you. And I need you right now. I need you to come into my life. I need you to start something that is not there. I've been asleep. I, I, something has happened. My, my walk with you is not where it needs to be. And Lord... I understand that only with you will it get better. That's what revival is all about. It's about reaching high and getting low. And so you have to ask the question, where are you? Where are you this morning? Have you been reaching high? Or has it just been the status quo? Hey, pastor, it's 2022. Come on. We don't talk about revival anymore. You're right, and I think the reason we don't have revival is because we don't talk about it enough. By the way, revival is all through Scripture. So wherever you're at this morning, I pray that you will do business with the Lord. We have a, we're going to have a song. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you've never trusted Christ, can I tell you that that's the first step. See, revival comes to things that have already had spiritual life. The first, the getting in part is, is receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. And by the way, that's not something you and I can do. That's something that He does. Through the preaching of the Word, the Word and the Spirit of God. That's, what's, that's what God does. I don't, I don't manifest my salvation, but for by grace am I saved through faith. There has to be a belief process. I have to believe. I have to receive, right? And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and the Spirit of the living God is speaking to you right now, I can tell you that God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. Not to condemn you. The Scripture says God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the God we serve. He's not angry. He's a loving God. Everything was started based on that love that he had for you. God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you've never trusted Christ, don't walk out of this room. Don't turn off the computer or the TV at home. Don't do it without asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you, to come into your life. 
to save you. Be real with him. I guarantee you he's going to be real with you. But I believe with all of my heart that a symptom of what's going on in our country can be directly related back to what's going on in the hearts and the lives of God's people. We've not stood up for God. We've been silent. We've been asleep. I was talking about woe unto them that are at ease in Zion on Wednesday night. By the way, I encourage you to come as we open up God's Word on Wednesday night. It'll do you good. A little midweek pick-me-up, so to speak, right? And I was talking about the idea, the fact that it feels like we're asleep spiritually. That's why we need revival. But revival will never come until there's a desire, a dissatisfaction of the way things are in your own heart and in your own life. It's very personal. It's not about, oh man, my husband needs revival. My wife needs revival. No, it's not about that. It's about what's going on with you, sir, young person. What's going on in your heart today? What's going on, ma'am, senior saint? What's going on? Why is it that we don't see people eager to serve the Lord anymore? Why is it that we see people making excuses for why they don't want to worship the Lord anymore? I believe it's directly related to what's going on in the heart. And the devil is a slick dude. He has blinded us. We cannot allow the devil to feed us lies and to accept them as truth. So whether you're here this morning, maybe you say, you know what, Pastor? It's been a long time since I reached high. Can I tell you, it might be related to the similar fact that maybe it's been a long time since you got low. See, because there's never going to be a reaching higher until we get low and understand where we're at spiritually. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'll move in the hearts of your people. God, revival, what's it all about? It's all about you. It's all about you doing what you can do. It's all about us recognizing what we cannot do. And so, Lord, I pray that you break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, I pray for the one who has strayed from thee, the one who has fallen asleep, so to speak. God, I pray for this entire church family. I pray for us individually and corporately. I pray for our community. I pray for this state and this country. God, I pray for this world that you so willingly sent your son to die for. God, I pray that we would wake up before it's eternally too late. Before, before the return of your son, Lord, I pray that people would make a decision to get low and to reach high before it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray that people would call out upon the name of the Lord and receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, we know that life is a vapor. And so, Lord, I pray that you open up our eyes to the situation in which we find ourselves. Lord, that we'll do what is pleasing and honorable in your sight. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this word. I pray that you'll bless now our time of invitation as we open up the altar for people to pray, for people to praise you, for people to encourage one another. God, I pray that they will make use of this time as you give us the opportunity. And we'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.